really comprehend all that took place. Hard to comprehend what it means. And it says, it is finished. What did he mean, Jesus crying those words from the cross? You know, it was 15 months ago that I had a very bad car accident. Actually, it was a pickup truck accident. I remember when I got T-boned and both of us were thrown into the field and we, by God's grace, were both okay and alive. I just got out of my car and I broke down as my brothers came after getting word because I was back in my home state of Indiana, three miles from the farm I grew up in. I just broke down. I said, I quit. I quit. So much uh, at that time, pressing on my life, trying to figure out things. and Church wasn't going as well as I'd hoped. and Other challenges on the personal front. I'm not quite sure what I meant fully when I said I quit. But that's all that came to my mind. I quit. I give up, God. I'm done. Is that what Jesus thought when he said, it is finished? I'm done. I quit. I give up. Or was it more? Something much deeper, more significant. I'll just share with you a few thoughts as it relates to grasping the cross of Christ. It says this, following his crucifixion. The Lord Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last Then the captain of the Roman soldiers handling the execution saw what had happened. He praised God and said, surely this man was innocent. And when the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw all that happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Watching. They were watching. And they were trying to grasp everything that had happened. Jesus earlier, he had um, spoken words. And the words that he spoke, you'll have to move that, were words that reflected on this idea that he knew what he was doing. But did they? Did they understand all that they were seeing? How about you today? If somebody asked you to explain the cross, how would you explain it? What would you say? This here is a painting. And uh, this painting was described by a gal by the name of Jill Carthardian, and she says this, I stood in front of the painting long enough that my neck hurt from craning forward, long enough to make the connection that onlookers that day likely held a similar stance as they watched Jesus of Nazareth on the cross. Francesco de Zerberen, massive 1627 painting, The Crucifixion. Hangs in Gallery 211 of the Chicago Art Museum. 
Viewers must stand back from the piece and gaze upward in order to take it all in. Sir Baron depicts the point just before Jesus takes his last breath. His body leans forward with exhaustion. His head hangs downward. All details of any black background activity are absent. The black backdrop, a jarring juxtaposition beside his pale, bruised skin. The artist's use of light intensifies the stark pull of sympathy towards a body that is both clearly suffering and yet somehow beautiful. At the time, I wasn't sure what I believed about Christianity, but there was something about the painting I couldn't stop trying to grasp. And I think one of the incredible things, especially as depicted in this beautiful painting, The Crucifixion, is there's two contrary things going on, especially for those of us that live past the cross and we've seen what's happened with Christ and what he did and, of course, Sunday coming and and then the change of people's lives and what's happened around the world. We look back and, and we behold that picture with the beauty that, in part, is depicted there. But yet, there's not just the beauty, there's the reality of the absence of beauty and the darkness that came around of what happened. I don't know about you, but when Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, he had completed something that was the very reason for which he came. It is finished. Was not, I quit, I give up, oh, forget it, oh, they're crazy. You know, it's like there was the combination because you and I, the forgiveness of our sins, is not because God just merely loved us. It's because of this old, rugged cross. Jesus, when he came, knew he was destined to die. And there's something about the cross and what happened on that cross that changes the equation for you and I. It says this. In John 19, 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head, and he released his spirit. He had predicted his death earlier. In Luke 18, Taking the twelve disciples aside, Jesus said, listen, we're going to go to Jerusalem where all the predictions of all the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. He will be handed over to the Romans and he will be mocked, treated shamefully and spit upon. They will flog him and with a whip and kill him. But on the third day he will rise again. Did he know what was going to happen? He knew what was going to happen. He told them clearly. But they didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words were hidden from them, and they failed to grasp what he was talking about. So if someone walked up to you and they said, what's the cross all about? Could you explain what the cross is about? 
Or is there some depth in the beauty and the sorrow that are mingled together that goes beyond that? The prayer of Jesus before he went to the cross. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to everyone you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I came in on Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, I guess. And these crosses were all taped to our windows. And I first thought, well, where did all these crosses come from? And then I remember, Mommy's was here. And all the kids from Mommy's made crosses, and probably some of the Mommy's too, right? And so if there's light behind it, like if it was behind a candle, then it shines through, right? Did some of you make these in here? Who made crosses in here? A few of you? Sure. You did a great job with the crosses. But isn't it interesting how we have crosses everywhere, don't we? You see a cross on uh, by side of road. You see crosses hang around people's necks. You see crosses tattooed on people's body. You see little kids making crosses. What's the deal with the cross? Have you grasped the deal with the cross? There's something just comforting seemingly that people grab a hold of the cross and hold it dear. But what does the cross really mean? It's a guy died on the cross, cruel, and he really didn't look nice and pretty like this painting that hangs in the art gallery in Chicago. He was battered and bruised and ripped as flesh was. And the death of dreams and the death of hopes abounded. Why would we want to hang on to a cross? Well, the cross... If you really want to grasp the significance of the cross of Christ, then there's two things always that are going on when you look at the cross. And these two things you need to hold dear. 1 John 4, 9 says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. Those are the two things that the cross represents. The cross depicts the nature of God. And the cross depicts the means of redemption. And you can wrestle with all kinds of theology books and do your Bible studies and interact in small groups and go to Good Friday services and churches ad nauseum. But the cross doesn't get any more simpler than those two critical things. If you're trying to grasp the cross, wear the cross, walk by the way of the cross, draw near the cross. You're trying to grasp how God would give his own son. God himself would give his own son, who was God himself, creator of all things, for you and me. 
if you want to know what God's like, look at the cross. I tell you what, if we were in a, in a river or something, having a, a, a gathering as a church, and all of a sudden, you know, the kids were playing here and there, and some, I don't know, something came along, or maybe we'll describe it as the ocean and a riptide. You know, what's going to happen if our kids start to drown and you're on the beach? You're heading in there. And you're going to try to save kids, but I guarantee you, who are you going to try to go for first if you can? Your own kid. My own God, he gave his own. Do you ever worry about sometimes, oh my goodness, would something happen in our family? I I sort of go there sometimes. It's not a good place to go. I couldn't handle this or I couldn't handle that. The loss of a child, and some of you have had a loss of a child. You know how deep and excruciating painful that is. The idea of that. But God, if you want to know about God, if you want to grasp the God, then look at the cross and his nature. Especially if you're a seeker, you've never chosen to follow after God, and maybe you think God's some big bully, or he's a killjoy, or he's an authoritarian figure, or you just don't want to have any a part of it. You've got to grasp the cross. The cross depicts the very nature of God. You know, Islam, for all the talk of Allah, their one true God, you can study the Quran and elsewhere at not one point do the teachings of Islam describe God as a God of love? Not once. And you sort of see the results of that. But not only does the cross depict the very nature of God, the cross depicts the means to redemption. You ever toyed with that? Get your brain going. We're in this series, Case for Christ, and you have to start to scratch your head. Why this? Why that? But why the cross? Why didn't God just, you know, take a big wand and just, there, I fixed it all. Well, there had to be the cross. Because through the cross, there is redemption from our sin. The sin factor had to be dealt with. The sin factor had to be dealt with. Now, in scriptures, I won't take you there in Romans or whatever. There's one particular passage that, that gets translated different ways by different versions. And it references that, that Jesus and the cross was a means of reconciliation. But the word that's there is translated either in some versions as propitiation and in other versions as expiation. You ever heard those two big theological words? What is propitiation and what is expiation and what do you think of the means of redemption? Do you land on more of the propitiation side or do you land more on the end of the expiation side? Propitiation has to do with appeasement. Appeasing somebody that's ticked off. Is that what Jesus did? Scripture says, That the wrath of God is being poured out from heaven against the godlessness and the wickedness of men who suppress the truth with their wickedness. The wrath of God, God's righteous judgment, there is holiness in this world, the God who created it. And when you see the devastation in this world through the sins of all mankind, something really grates God seemingly about that. But it's not in a mean, bully kind of way. It's because he's holy and just. So is the cross the means of 
propitiation that Jesus gave the sacrifice for our sins so that God says, all right, he, he died for your sins, so you're sort of off the hook. Well, there is some aspect of propitiation, appraisement of God's anger and his justice that needed to be fulfilled. But the other word is expiation. I sort of lean a little bit more towards an expiation side than a propitiation side. The expiation side references that sin has been dealt with or sin has been taken away. So there's no need for a judgment if I look at someone and I say there is holiness there. N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright describes the um, difference between these two between the propitiation and the expiation, if I can find it. I might have lost it. I could just shake my Bible and see if it comes out. (laughs) What N.T. Wright does, and that which either got lost or didn't get stuck in my Bible, References that they're both very valid things. Propitiation is an appeasement of what God in his spirit is grieved with and the punishment that's due. But the expiation idea that sin's been dealt with through the shed blood of cross and that you are seen as pure in his righteousness. Now, why do we spend time trying to study or think about those two theological words on Good Friday? Because I do not want the cross to just be a good luck charm. I want the cross to have ever growing deeper significance and meaning in your life and mine. And that when we cling to the cross, we're clinging not only to the truth of who God is by his very nature and what he has done through our, for our redemption, but we are clinging to the very one who embodies all that in the person of Jesus Christ and letting him live and rule in our life. So it doesn't matter what you and I are really going through with. It can't be greater than what Jesus went through. He knows. He knows your hurt. He knows your pain. He knows your sorrow. And he dealt with it by defeating the adversary on the cross. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. I'm going to close with a song that Lynn's going to sing for us. And the song has to... transition your thoughts and mine on this Good Friday to the reality that no matter what the Lord Jesus Christ is able to meet your need and your hurt and your pain he'd been there and he loves you for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have Even when
Jesus paid it Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain, he washed it white snow. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. We'll see on Easter. Watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow.